You're listening to the Bright City Church Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from a friend of Bright City, and we know you're going to love it. Hello, Bright City. If you've been here for any of the Out of the Wilderness teachings or have been following along online, you know that Pastors Nick and Jess have been setting up this series beautifully. Just like Moses told the Israelites, it was time to shake off the dust and leave the wilderness. And they've been reminding us how to do that with this season of COVID wilderness. The first week, Pastor Nick reminded us that how we see God matters and that our words matter. Week two, he taught us that generosity will bring us joy. Last week, Jess showed us that the way we worship matters. Today, I want to share with you how prayer can give us a way out of the wilderness. Has it been a wilderness season for you? I mean, when we think about 2020 and the first part of 2021, it certainly hasn't been 40 years in the desert like the Israelites experienced. I mean, it felt like I was waiting on manna from heaven when we couldn't find toilet paper anywhere. Are you curious like me to see how history rewrites that one? They may say, toilet paper became scarce in 2020 as people heard the word pandemic and thought they would need that provision to survive. Seriously, though, our 2020 pandemic was definitely a wilderness, but there are many types of wilderness seasons, and God knew that. Because besides his teaching in Numbers, did you know there are 294 passages about wilderness in the Bible? 294. Time in the wilderness means facing wilderness struggles, wilderness hardships, and wilderness questions. Struggles, hardships, and questions. Well, we've had all three of those this past year, haven't we? That's what it was for the Israelites, too. Struggles hardships, and questions. They thought Moses was leading them into the promised land only to spend 40 years in the desert. And just to make sure we're all on the same page, does anyone really want to go back to May 2020? This past year was tough for me, but it certainly was not the most difficult year I've experienced. When I think about my wilderness season, it was 1988. And I'm not going to ask how many of you were not even born in 1988. Just think about that period in history and remember, if you can, what it was like. In 1988, I was newly separated and single mama to Jess, who was age three, and Katie, age six. We were living in a house, well, I called it a shack, really, on Lake Wiley, South Carolina, that needed a lot of repairs. And we were but we were 30 minutes away from family support and my work. The daily commute and struggle to keep the three of us alive and warm felt like a wilderness to me. It was a few weeks after a very bleak Christmas when a good friend took me to lunch and said gently but firmly, Deb, you've got to get a grip. Your life is a mess and it's time you made some changes. The next day she called me and said, I told you it's time to make some changes in your life, but I didn't give you the key to making those changes. It helped that this friend had also walked the same path of divorce and single parenting, and she was a few years ahead of me. She seemed to be not only surviving, 
but she was thriving, so I was definitely paying attention. She told me to take Matthew 7, 7, the passage that says, Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. And write it on index cards. On the flip side of the card, you would write the one thing that you're praying to God to fix or to give you direction in. An area that you really are stuck and need to move forward in. So on one side of the card, you'd write Matthew 7, 7 and the verse. And the flip side, you'd write the one area. Well, I'm going to give you the cliff notes of my life at that point in 1988. First of all, the house. I've named it a shack, but it was really a little bit of a rundown house with slanted floors. They were not level. We had baseboard heat and just a lot of problems with the house. But the problem was I owned the house, but leased the land. So I didn't really see a way out of that. I didn't know who would buy this rundown house, even though it was on lakefront property. I didn't own the land. So I felt very stuck. I knew that we weren't close enough to any of our support systems or to my work, but I didn't see a way out. The second area where I felt stuck was my job. I had left the corporate world to work for a nonprofit, and I loved the nonprofit. It was very nurturing, and I had a great environment. But the word nonprofit will remind you that the salary was not great. And all of a sudden, I was raising and supporting a family and needed a larger salary and I needed benefits. So even though I loved my job, I knew it wasn't the best fit for this season of my life. The third area I was stuck in was my body. During the separation, I had done a lot of emotional eating and just honestly didn't have time to think about a health plan. So I'd gained 30 to 40 pounds. I knew I was stuck in that area and I knew I needed to make some changes, but I didn't have time to join any fitness centers or to work out. And I really didn't have money to join any kind of a fitness plan. So I felt stuck. The fourth area was my car. A few weeks before Christmas, my car had died on the side of the road and I just left it there because it was not repairable and I didn't see a way to get it fixed. So since then, I had been driving my dad's 20-year-old pickup truck that used a lot more oil than it did gas. And that was not a good situation when I was commuting so far every day and carrying two girls in a pickup truck. So back to the index cards, that weekend, my parents took the girls and I away for a little getaway to the beach, and I walked the beach and had some time with God, and I just cried out to him and said, God, I don't even know which area to put on the index cards. I am a mess in four areas, and I'm stuck. I really need help, God, but there's four areas, and I just don't know where to start. After a few minutes of walking and talking with God, I understood and he made it really clear that I was to put all four, not just one area, but I was to put all four down on the cards. So when I got home, I pulled out index cards and I wrote the Matthew 7, 7 verse on each one. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And then on the flip side, I wrote house, job, body, car, house, job, body, car. Repeat on every card. I wrote house, job, body, car. I taped these index cards all over our little shack 
on the dashboard of my dad's truck, on mirrors and refrigerators. And then I began the process of focusing on that pack passage and releasing the areas to God. Because what she had told me, my good friend had said, was to tape these cards up and only focus on the Matthew 7, 7 passage. And for 30 days to really release the area that I'm praying about to God so that you're not focusing on the problem. You're not focusing on the what ifs or how stuck you are, but instead you're focusing on God's promise that's found in Matthew 7, 7. While it felt a little silly to tape those index cards everywhere, I did feel a peace come over me by focusing instead on the verse, ask, seek, and knock. On a few of the cards, I just wrote, ask, seek, knock, instead of writing the entire passage. And then after a few weeks of repeating that phrase, I realized the acronym of that of those three words was ask. So I would just write ask on some cards. But in my breath prayers, I would say ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock. It became a part of my mind, soul, and spirit. Now, I didn't think it was some magical formula just so that I could receive like a genie in a bottle. But when you're in a wilderness, there was something beautiful in believing that the first step towards reaching up towards life began with my simple breath prayers of ask, seek, and knock. And you know what? God did open doors. He gave me new and creative solutions for each one of these four areas and provided a way out of the wilderness. I'll save the month-by-month details for another time. But within six months, I sold the lake house for rent. Actually, there was a woman in South Charlotte who lived a few miles from my parents And she had a condo and wanted to trade me the lake house for a reduced rent on her condo. It was a perfect fit. And I would never have dreamed of that answer to my problem. I bought a car because I found out that there was a rebate from Nissan. They were offering a down payment situation by using their rebate and your tax refund. And by using both of those and getting my dad to co-sign, I was able to buy a little Nissan Sentra. A friend called me to get in a health program that was two for one. And the day she called me, I said, there's no way. I mean, how much is it? And she said, oh, it's only $200. To which I laughed and said, I don't have $20 extra in my budget. But do you know the next day, the very next day after she had called to tell me about that fitness program, I received a check in the mail for $212. It was a refund on the big gas tank at the lake house that we never used. And in selling the house, I was able to get the refund of that gas. So I had the money to join the fitness program and within a few months had started dropping pounds. My former boss, I had called my former boss in the corporate world and said, you know, you always said I could come back to work here. So I'm calling. I need a job with a better income and steady benefits. He said, you know what, Deb, I'm working on a new position. And if you can give me a few months to work this out, I think it'll be a good match for both of us. Sure enough, by June of that year, I was back in my corporate job with a $10,000 increase and benefits that blessed my family for all over a decade to come. House, job, body, 
car. What I learned from using Matthew 7, 7 was that it was a foundational step towards talking with God. When I didn't know how to pray, ask, seek, and knock gave me first steps to finding a deeper relationship with God. That's the great thing about a journey in prayer. There are always new depths and things to learn. I've, and I've loved learning things over the past 20 or 30 years since I started that prayer journey. And especially lately, I feel like I've learned from studying Moses about how to approach God and especially how Moses prayed for the Israelites in their wilderness. I think that there are three things that we can capture from Moses about prayer. First, prayer needs to be conversational. I used Matthew 7, 7 to get started. It certainly helped me to, to say, ask, seek, and knock about anything and everything that I needed God's help with. But from that first rescue out of the wilderness, I've learned over the past 30 years that it's not a secret formula or a passage of scripture or a method that is the key. The key is talking to God. Those early years of ask, seek, knock taught me that nothing is too insignificant for him to answer. It also taught me that he is a loving father who wants to hear my heart and answer my prayers. Mostly God just wants me talking to him. Have you tried that? He loves to hear me say, good night, father. It's been a really good day. Or good morning, Lord. Thank you for another day here on planet earth. In Exodus 33, 8 through 11, we see how Moses met God face to face. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Wow. As one speaks to a friend. That's what I want as I talk to God. Also, we know this about talking to a friend, right? It involves talking, but it also involves listening. Maybe that's the part of prayer being conversational that you want to work on. I find that I'm very quick to list out all of my ask to God, but I spend less time listening to him in that same conversation. When I have been a good listener, God doesn't speak to me in a cloud like he did to Moses, but he does speak through sermons, songs, and even signs in nature. How are you doing at FaceTime with God? And how is the listening part of that friendship? The second thing that I've learned from Moses about prayer is that prayer needs to be clear and specific. What I have found is if I make a general ask to God, like, take care of my family, God, at the end of the day or a week or a year, it's too easy for me to take credit for that. Instead, if I pray, God, let this weekend retreat for Jess and Nick be restful and refreshing. When they return and tell me that it was, I can give God thanks. As with my initial exercise, using the index cards in Matthew 7, 7, the asks were specific to four tangible areas of my life. When all four areas had reversed or resolved, 
I knew God had answered my prayers. Moses prayed this way for the Israelites in their wilderness, and he specifically used God's promise on their behalf. In Exodus 32, verses 12 through 15, God was furious with the Israelites. Do you remember last week when Jess told us how they made a golden calf of earrings? God said, these are a stiff-necked people. Let my anger burn against them. But Moses pleaded clearly and with a promise. Oh God, turn from your burning anger, he said, and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And guess what? It says in verse 14, and the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. So prayer needs to be conversational and it definitely needs to be clear. But lastly, I think we learn from Moses that prayer needs to be continuous. For Moses, that was 40 years of continuous face-to-face meetings with God. But also when he went up on Mount Sinai to hear from God, Moses spent 40 days and nights there. Because it's a relationship and God wants to talk to us, we can't use prayer like phone a friend or a get out of jail free card. I want you to think of the best relationship you have right now. Is it a best friend? Your spouse? Maybe it's your parent or even an adult child. Okay, you have that person in mind. How would you feel if they only spoke to you when they were in trouble or wanted something? Wow, that would be pretty hard to handle. And yet, that is exactly what we do sometimes with the longest lasting and most giving relationship in our life. My favorite relationships are those that call and say, I'm just checking in. How are you? I want to do that with God. I want to talk to him more continuously. What does that look like, really? For me, it's checking in with him on the mundane days, the bad days, and the really great days. Knowing that I don't have to be on my knees or at church. Sometimes I talk to God when I'm doing the laundry, especially when I'm driving. That's a great time for me to just talk to God about whatever is on my heart at the moment. Sometimes it's when I'm gardening or watering the plants. That way, if a question comes to mind when I'm going about my day, he's the one I want to ask first. So prayer needs to be conversational, clear, and consistent. I know from my early journey with the index cards that prayer can lead us out of the wilderness, or we can stay stuck in wilderness mindsets, wilderness actions, and wilderness hearts of grumbling and complaining. I asked at the beginning who wanted to go back to the wilderness. We had an interesting return to my first wilderness place this past month. Gibson and I were at a family gathering, staying in a house on Lake Wiley. The first night we went to a restaurant, it's since been bought and renamed, but as I walked up the familiar entrance, I could remember bringing two little girls there every Tuesday for kids eat free night. That started my walk down memory lane, and all weekend, I tried to find the little cove we lived on, the house with the slanted floors and the baseboard heat. 
Everything from the lakeside had changed. So when we were leaving the area on Sunday, Gibson said, let's drive down that road and see if we can find where you lived. All of the gravel roads were now paved and renamed. New developments and massive houses were on the left side of the road as we drove where the girls and I used to sometimes walk to the corner store. I was so confused by all the changes until I remembered, oh right, it's been 35 years. Finally, Gibson veered off of the paved road onto a gravel road that he spotted that looked familiar. With million-dollar developments built all around it, this one pocket of the cove still had trailers, clotheslines, car parts, and rickety piers. We couldn't get too close because people were pulling back the curtains, looking out at us in fear. I couldn't find our exact lot or house, but I had seen enough. I didn't want to go back to that wilderness. God has brought me and our family to a promised land, and the tears streaming down my face were the beginning of my praises to Him. He rescued me, and my prayers were the cry that let God know I wanted out. How about you? Do you want to stay in this current wilderness season? Or are you ready to cry out to Him? There's so much more. We've put index cards on your seats, and you can even take an index card wherever you're at right now to start your own Matthew 7, 7 journey. Maybe you have one area, not four like me, but maybe you just have one area that you want to commit to God in prayer for 30 days. Or maybe you already have a strong and sustaining prayer life, and you just need a refresh. Do you need your prayers to be more conversational? Or how about more clear and specific? Maybe you're like me and you just need some more consistency in your prayer life. Or are you ready to use prayer as the vehicle to let him know that you're ready to move on? Let's shake off the dust and move towards the promised land. I promise it's worth it. And prayer just might be your ticket out. Thanks for listening in to Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.